So I'm sitting by the pool drinking my hot cafe mocha reading the Talmud the other day. Oh, yeah. And do your dirty work of going and complaining to yeah. somebody for you ain't going to happen. No. I'm feeling like the third bird dog. <laughs> you, you have baby. to be excommunicated uh-huh. ahead of relationship. And, and stuck in a basement. This message sucks. stinks. <laughs> What's There's it? explicit there right go. there. Welcome to the club of the initiated man. You better not be recording this or I'm never walking with you again. Oh, there we go. got a sassy brunette. You know, do something, do, do something. anything, but just don't sit there. Hey, don't you have something better to do? You've stumbled on the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast from Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada, where we discuss hiking, culture, life, theology, running, stories, West Africa, books, you name it. All right, welcome everyone to our podcast. I'm Tom Marshall, and I'm here with my buddy Andy Reiner, and we have two special guests. I guess what we'll do is we'll introduce you, uh, or you can introduce yourselves because you know the the fancy handles that you have. And we're going to start from the easternmost one and go west. That's that, 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 would, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Rayner back here. I'm the I'm the I'm the easterly most. I think so. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but once you get across the bridge uh, yeah. and paid our thirty eight whatever it is thirty eight dollars and some on cents to get to New Brunswick. Uh, I think you've forgotten the price if, on that one. <laughs> if we went to Frederick, I know it's it's a blur. So we get to Fredericton and we run into this gentleman that's here. It's hard to know which one of us goes first. Jason and I live about uh, 10 minutes from each other. I think he lives 10 <laughs> minutes north of me. So uh, I don't know if I'm the eastmost or not, but I'll I'll go next. I'm Dan Foreman. I'm the uh, pastor at the Bird's Corner Christian Church, and uh, I'm uh, a husband and a dad of a, a nine-year-old girl and five-year-old twin boys, and uh, that's that's pretty well everything about me. Everything else is just a detail. And the Canadians fan, uh, and and a Habs fan, I can I can rightfully cheer for them right now just because they can't disappoint me. Uh, they they don't have that opportunity. I can see all this Canadian Habs paraphernalia in the background behind me. I've I've got too much invested to jump out now, man. <laughs> and our next guest. My name is Jason McVicker, uh, father, husband, and pastor in the local church. Um, other than that, there's not much to know about me. <laughs> oh, you're a Flames fan. I'm a poser. <laughs> you like just, just more than the team. <laughs> yeah, my my son is the Canadians fan, and he he's the one who's insisted I have this hat. <laughs> oh, oh, so so you look good and all that. That makes perfect sense. Well, anyway, we're we're living in an interesting time, and. Um, I the, here's here's my perspective, and, and I just wanted to share. And I asked these guys because uh, Jason and Dan were doing a question and answer session a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, and I missed the actual live section session, and then I I tuned in afterwards. So you know, they finished at nine, and I from nine to ten, I was listening to what they were talking about, and uh, one of the things that you know they kind of raised, and I thought was interesting, and I wanted to kind of explore is it's unprecedented because what we're facing today is basically the church is not able to worship. Now, doing Bible studies and also teaching at a a Christian college, one of the things that I've noticed, you know, studying the Old Testament, is that there comes a point in, in Israel's history when God is upset with his people that, you know, he takes away the worship. 
And that's just kind of a heads up. And God's like, hey, I want you to rend your hearts, not your clothes. And, you know, he mentions this in the prophets. And Isaiah 1 is a just a big one that, you know, he, he even says he's tired of the people trampling the courts and stuff. And eventually um, sends them into exile. And so literally the people of Israel cannot go to the temple and worship. He separates them completely. Now, there are still Israelites in the land, the farmers and the, the little people that take care of property and stuff. Uh, but that was something that was big, and, and it's also during that period that the synagogue kind of began. And, you know, this is the beginning where they, they would re meet together as family groups, and then they would read from the scrolls and have prayer and stuff. And eventually that, you know, in the time that the New Testament period, the synagogue is a, a pretty established institution, but yet there's still the temple, and the temple was rebuilt by King Herod. And what's interesting, when Jesus came in the New Testament period, and even John the Baptist, they were preaching a message that Israel needed to repent, that Jerusalem itself was, you know, the, the city of Babylon. And you had a group of people called the Essenes that moved outside the city. They just basically went a day's walk uh, out of the, the city next to the Dead Sea, and they just thought all right, God's going to strike down Jerusalem like Sodom and Gomorrah, I guess, because they just did not appreciate what was taking place in Jerusalem. Uh, the Pharisees weren't happy. They had Rome as a, a people that oppressed them, and the exile was continuing. And then you had the Sadducees who, you know, controlled the temple. But as we know, when you, you study the, the Bible— uh, Jesus drives out the moneylenders. It really just became a kind of a, an industry for buying and selling uh, and making a lot of money. So if you think about it, in the first century, the temple and the worship services that took place there, uh, the feasts that were celebrated by the Jewish people, you know, it was basically tourism. And when Jesus shut down the temple, I mean, he shut down... <laughs> the tourist industry for one day and, and one of the things on the island that we're going to be facing as well as you know with COVID-19 you know our tourist industry is going to take a big a big hit and then you had the zealots who also wanted to use armed resistance against Rome and so in Jesus day just like in the prior to the exile and during the exile God took away the worship of the people of Israel and because they did not repent, as Jesus preached in 70 AD, a Roman general and the Roman army came in and basically destroyed Jerusalem and block by block tore down the temple. Now, I'm not saying today that, you know, oh, well, COVID-19 is, is God's doing, but it is an interesting time where all of a sudden we're in a position where we cannot worship like we normally do. And so I thought I'd invite the, these guys and, and, of course, Andy, who has joined me in, in participating. So, you know, I'm laying this all out there. So I, I laid the groundwork, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what do you think of this? Well, I, um, <clears throat> I think I like the way that you, you worded it at the, at the end of your, uh, of your kind of laying it out there better than at the beginning. 
at the at the start you said that you know it's kind of taken away our our worship whereas at the at the end you said it's you know we can't worship the way we normally do i'm not so sure that we're at the point where it's taken away uh worship now it's certainly changed the way that we worship and i think that part of the you know the good and the bad depending on your perspective is that it's it's pushed many people to the uncomfortable which, yeah. which i think is good and i would i would understand that there'd be many be like i you know i don't like this and and look there's uh, there's part of me. I know. I'm sure you know. None of your audience would have a clue who I am, but I am an extrovert by heart, and so uh, yeah. to keep me inside, where I can't get my hands and my arms on you. And there's probably people that are glad that I can't get my hands and my arms on you. But that's where I. That's where I would rather be. Um, but that being said, um, you know, the way that that has changed worship, like for me, and I know uh, Jason and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, or last week, and I know that he and, and uh, Ben Foreman talked about it last night. Um, the the times of worship that I've started having uh, with my family here at the house uh, have been, you know, there's there are times of worship that I uh, that I feel connected with God, and I think has been you know good for us. And uh, the way that we've you know we've we've shared communion weekly, just uh, my wife and my daughter. Um, as, as the three who are uh, baptized believers. And so I think that we've seen worship uh, change significantly and maybe even, you know, bringing more people in by the same time, there are going to be many that are, uh, you know, that are on the outs uh, as a result. So um, I, I agree with your, you know, saying like, well, I don't know that you could say, oh, well, this is, this is what God's doing, but uh, one of the things I said when Jason and I talked was everything in this life that happens has to fit into one of two categories. And this is kind of a difficult truth for us. Everything from the from the greatest blessing of life to the worst tragedy, either God caused it or he allowed it. Those yeah. are the only two options that, that everything in this life can fit into. And so um, even even if God is not specifically the cause of this, and I'm not saying that he isn't, I don't um, think he. But, I but think he, this, we're in a fallen world, and it's just sickness ab- that came about. Ab- absolutely, but at the same time, God is able to redeem all things unto Himself for His purpose, for our good and His glory. And so, uh, I certainly believe that He is. You know, He's not surprised by this, and I believe that He's using it to transform the church and to call people to Himself. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Like. I don't think this has been at all a taking away of worship. It's certainly a taking away of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, and a, I think it's important to note too that we don't even know what this is yet. Like we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know. Like in my opinion, it's going to be the economy that's going to be the real story in all this. Yeah, and we just we just don't know what that's going to look like for sure. Like this has just never happened before. Like when was the last time a pandemic coincided with, you know, a global economic collapse? It's just never happened before. So we have no idea what this is going to look like moving forward. Um, you just got to roll with it. Like as far as the worship goes, it's it's been interesting for me. Like uh, just as a pastor, like. We, we have a small, very small congregation, so I'm very involved throughout the service. And, uh, like, literally every Sunday, I'm usually playing an instrument. 
And so like my lack of, I was talking about this last night with Ben, um, my lack of talent doesn't allow me to worship <laughs> on yeah. stage. I'm so concentrated on, you know, I guess removing stumbling blocks for others while I'm playing. In other words, not screwing up that, that my heart is very seldom able to settle into a very worshipful state on that stage. And uh, it's just a problem that you always find when you're in ministry, because if you're doing the, the preaching or teaching, you know, I mean, that's just that's how it works. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so interesting. Like the word any worship I get in in a significant way tends to be by myself anyway. And uh, like I there are there are times where I get to enjoy corporate worship, but they're pretty, pretty few and far between. So this this adjustment as crazy as the adjustment has been. Um, in terms of my worship, it actually hasn't been that big. Uh, as far as my congregation goes, though, it's probably been like a seismic shift. <laughs> right. Do we, we lose Andy? No, I'm still here. I no, I just I just shut the video off because uh, my, oh. my internet is so bad up here. It's it's worse here than when I'm in, in Mali, West Africa. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So we think Andy. Well, I mean, of course, see, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more outside of the box. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm, I would probably, uh, really relate to what Jason McVicker said. I, I, I always enjoyed like pastoral ministry when I was in it and when I was uh, on stage preaching and teaching once I got going, I didn't mind it, um, because I knew, you know, knew the material that I was trying to say and, uh, what, uh, you know, what what it was I wanted to cover, but, you know, just getting in there, walking up to the stage, getting ready to start was always a very stressful thing for me. And I'm, I'm like Jason, my, my, uh, my points of, of connection and, and the most meaningful moments where, where I believe I've encountered God usually was in, in another setting. And that's not criticized. That's not the fault of church. That's not the fault of people. The people were wonderful. Oh, yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. It's temperament, it's personalities, uh, it's stress level with like, like Jason said, being on stage, but, but I mean, for, for me, I mean, I, I guess you guys know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, uh, you know, off the, off the normal road anyway. And, uh, and I don't ask for people to agree with that. And I don't ask for people to, um, you know, to, uh, well, I, I definitely am not trying to re recruit anybody to what I do. That's just, that's just a kind of the way I am about it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just, uh, for me, <laughs> it, it's not that alarming of a deal because, you know, like you were talking about the temple. Uh, Tom and worship was sent around there and it was shut down. And see, I don't see anything in this. At, <laughs> uh, my stress level at level is so low on this is just unreal. It's almost not even registering because, because the temple is, is, is the people. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're the new temple. God inhabits us. God doesn't dwell in te temples built by human hands. And that's not saying that a church is not, not a, not a place where you can counter God. I don't want to equate that to that message, but we do yeah. know a church building is not a temple. And, right. uh, you know, so, so, you know, God, God walks with us everywhere. And that's, that's one of the things about worship. I think sometimes we forget is when you look at the word worship in, in, in the scriptures, um, in the new Testament, the word worship is never associated with, with a gathering of people. 
uh, the word worship is always used in the context of being a, 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 an orientation of your life towards God, the yeah. father. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so, you know, we've kind of boxed it, boxed worship into it's something that, you know, it's a special event and, uh, you know, it lasts for an hour or two or whatever. And, and, uh, again, not saying that that is important. We know gatherings important. I'm not, I'm not saying that to dismiss it, but worship is so much bigger than, than Sunday morning. <laughs> and, uh, and that, and I think that that's, that's why my consternation is not there is because I see worship as something that happened all week long. It was there. It was, it, it was there a part of my life before I came, it, uh, gathering with people always has a special uh, time, you know, involved in that, uh, a special encouragement and it, and, and there's a great purpose in that. But I mean, even when we were in Mali, West Africa, I mean, we were, you know, for Pete's sake, we, we were landed, we were 500 kilometers away from the capital city and, and our near, nearest, uh, expat neighbor worked a hundred kilometers south of us. And, uh, you know, we're working in a, in a hundred percent Muslim group. We're over there for four and a half months around our house are seven mosques that give a call to prayer every morning. So we're awake at the first call to prayer at four, four in the morning. And, uh, you just cannot hear that. And, uh, and, you know, and here are the villages that we're working in, they're a hundred percent Muslim people. Well, we're there for four and a half months every year and we're, we're not attending church because what we want to do is, is to be Christ, Christ light among them. And we just made it a purpose that we were going to be among them seven days a week. And that's kind of even what we did on Sunday and, and we had our prayers and we had our communion. And, and so, you know, that experience kind of makes it, you know, makes it different for me because I was forced into having to address this idea of where two or three gather in your home. And, uh, so for me, <laughs> you know, when this happens, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I've been there, <laughs> done that for, you know, for a lot of decades of my life, you know, overseas. And, uh, so, so a little different experience. But I find that it- for me, Sunday morning now, I get to watch. I've been searching for old classmates and and stuff, and just to see what they're doing. Um, and and again, for myself, you know, talking about worship. I mean, uh, when I was in Southfield and preaching, um, you know, the morning is is work and and it's a job. It's you know, for me, Sunday night was Friday night in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Sabbath wasn't yeah. the Sabbath, and you know, and I guess my my in Southville because we had just moved, and so you know, this whole no Sunday shopping, everything's closed on Sunday. That was brand new to us. So we came from a context where we would go shopping Sunday night for our groceries and and stuff. We'd like go to church first, go to the friend's house, and then go shopping like at ten thirty at night. We didn't have our kids yet, and and so. When we moved up here, you know, and be done with the service, and then Carrie would be napping, the kids would be napping, I'd go walk in the woods, and I'd spend like three hours in the woods, and to me, that was where a lot of cool stuff happens, just that reconnecting, I guess, if you will, the quiet, you got the birds singing, Um, that's when it was rejuvenating, and then the times here, you know, in, in the context of some of the churches in town, (laughs) don't get mad at me but sometimes i find worship can just be distracting because some of the stuff that's going on in in worship distracts you now one of the best times i had at at worship is when i fasted on saturday and then went to church on sunday in that morning i tell you the worship i'm not a worship song kind of a dude i like sermons give me the sermons i like listening to sermons um 
you know, special music. Oh, I haven't heard special music in a long time. Boy, it was an oh, special music. It could be really good, or it could be brutal. <laughs> and you're trying to focus on God. You got this person who's off key. I tell you, it's it'll it'll kill you. But I, you know, now that you think about it, I haven't heard special music. I don't know. It's been a few years now since I've heard special music in church. And but I find you know sometimes. If things are not going well, and and you know, I, I occasionally again I'm I'm burying my soul. I catch up on my Bible reading too. Um, what I really miss, really really miss, are people uh, preachers who are going through a text. They're not just doing topical sermons, but they're going through through books, you know, like Philippians or Genesis, and then they're not bothered by the local events. You know, that that happened, you know, and it's just the text that's for that day. And it's interesting how a lot of times the text kind of kind of matches up. Um, and, and that's uh, true. I did actually just not to I'll let you keep going. But, no, no, I, go you know, we were doing uh, I think we were working our way through the story a few years ago and I actually did our Easter sermon out of Zechariah or uh, Zechariah. And uh, it's just where it landed. And it was one of those things like where the the text just lined up. Mm. So, yeah. That's, and you have no no one can yell at you that you preached that specific text to them. It's like, hey, it's the next thing that was in line. Right. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets a turn uh, when you're going through an exegesis. Some days it's your turn to get a whack. Some days it's another oh, person's turn, and it's just like that's right. the order of the text, man. <laughs> we we did yeah. uh, we did First Corinthians. Typically, what we'll do in the summer is pick an epistle, and we'll call it just like a summer in Corinth, a summer in Thessalonica, or whatever. Anyway, we were doing First Corinthians a few years ago. And it was like the hottest day of the summer on a Sunday. And I'm trying to think if it's chapter five or chapter seven. That's all about like, like the, the about the you know purpose for sexual relations and all this stuff. And I'm like halfway through, and it's like, is it hot in here? Or is it just me? Like it's just, it's just, the, just the way that it worked out. But if I can just comment on on what you said, um, you know, because I understand the, you know hearing the, the three of you and and uh, you know where you're you're finding more of your personal worship coming from times that are more withdrawn and, and not being personality based. And again, yeah. for me, when I think of like my high water marks in worship, it's typically at things like, uh, like the Maritime Christian Fellowship or like when we did the uh, exponential conference or things like that. Like when you're just surrounded by, you know, like in, in some cases hundreds or like in the case of exponential, you know, thousands of people. I can remember as a teenager when we went to uh, uh soul fest and I can remember whatever band it was. It was probably DC Talk or somebody that's not talked about <laughs> any longer, but someone like that. And they were singing a song that was old at the time, even. It would have been dated at the time. And I can remember hearing, you know, thousands of people singing like the chorus of Awesome God. And it just like, you, when it died down, you could almost hear the echo off the mountains. And, <laughs> you know, it was just incredible, all those voices. And for me, like, those are. You know, and I worship by myself and I can worship in the smaller settings. But when I think of like my high watermarks in worship where it was like I could feel it in my toes and in my fingertips, yeah. like those those are what it what it was for me. And, you know, the funny thing is, even too, you talk about like there, there are p- parts of the, the worship service that are 
that can be distracting. You mentioned about like when you do specials and I think everybody's heard the, the special that would go viral now. You yeah. know what I mean? It would be the type of thing that would happen like before like American <laughs> Idol started when they're going through the line and these people think they're great. But at the same time, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. We had uh, we, need, we need some Simon Cowell's in the in the well, conversation. Yes, yes. But you know what? At the same time, uh, one of the things I've talked about, I was talking with somebody uh, about, uh, you know, uh, the way that we were doing our, you know, the way that we would we would put people on the stage even at Burt's Corner. Okay. And the guy, this guy was, was somebody who was sometimes with us and other times he was with a bigger church in the Fredericton area. And, you know, he was kind of talking to me about sometimes the people that would, you know, make it onto our platform. Yeah. And I said to him, you know, every, every church is a different personality. And I said, part of the, part of the personality that we have at Burt's Corner is, at least in my opinion, it's more of a, it's more of a living room feel in this. I'm not saying it's like, oh, well, it's like as casual as it would be like when we're meeting in our living room. But it's but it's like this. Sometimes people will just say stuff from the floor and we'll just engage it. Like whether that be during the message or whenever and we can have a laugh. You know what I mean? And, and, and go on yeah. like that. Stuff like that. And I, said, and I said to him, part of it, too, is that sometimes we'll have people up on the platform that aren't necessarily ready to be up on a major platform. Yeah, like as far as their giftedness or their or their musical ability or talent yet, I said, but this is kind of like getting up to sing in some ways while you're worshiping. It's also kind of like getting up in the living room at your grandparents' place where you can sing. And here, even if you gaff, like, is it a little bit distracting? Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. Yep. But it's part of part of it is that we're also training you up to be able to do it. And you can fail here in front of fifty people. And we'll all go, oh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah. my turn's next. <laughs> you, whereas you wouldn't make it to, you know, some of the churches in our area. And listen, I'm not saying we're better or that they're better or, or anything like that. But there are churches very close to us where, you know, you, you, you would gaff in the audition and you'd never make it. And we, and we, would, and we don't do auditions. We, we have the right uh, venue for you. It's just not Sunday morning, you know, that they usually <laughs> right. say something like that. Yeah, exactly. And and look, I'm not talking about putting people who, like sometimes people just, you know, it's like, I really have the gift, of, you know, I have this gift of, of music. And you say, I think I'd, I'd return that gift. I, I don't know if you, I think you got the wrong gift. Um, but, but at the same time. We're claimed to have the gift you know, of music. I can remember the first time I was on the platform at Burt's Corner, because uh, I, the, the, I minister in the church that I grew up in. I, would, I don't remember if I was 11 years old or 12 years old as a drummer. And could just just do the boom chuck boom chuck, and I remember for probably two months they would just invite me before Sunday morning service when their band was practicing, and their regular drummer would sit behind me and talk to me, and I would practice with them, and then he would play, and yeah. then you know when the, when the first few weeks that I played, it was like no fills, you know the beats of the song, you play it straight the whole way, and and was I very good? No, but. Like I'm, but they were training me up and to be there. And so, you know, now obviously I, with a different instrument, but I'm, I'm on the platform like a lot, but that was also a setting where you could do that. You know what I mean? And that, I think that hopefully that's partly what people will do even in, in some of these, you know, living room things is like, yeah, like sing, sing the song, like play the instrument, say the prayer, you know, let kid knows this verse by heart, let him recite the verse, let him say what he knows about the verse. Like that's. You know, yeah. you've kind of got that space to, you know, to, to train and to grow. 
Yeah, I think that's a great message because it's all about inviting people in, right? It's inviting right. people to Christ, inviting people into the fellowship and the family of God, which which we call the body of Christ. And uh, and that's why, I, I mean, I grew up in a church similar like you, Dan, when I grew up. I mean, I mean, most of us, us young fellows in our church, we preached our, our first sermon by the time we were 13 or 14. I mean, that was just normal. It wasn't because we were good. It's just that we had a preacher that, you know what, you guys, you guys got to take a crack at it. And, and he'd never asked. He'd just say, uh, it's your turn, Andy, you know, and you just got it ready and he'd help you work it through and sit down and you'd, you know, read, read over what you were going to say. And he'd say, that's great. Or, you know, he'd make a few suggestions or whatever, because, you know, he thought something was off base or whatever, but inviting people in and that's, and this is one of the things that I like about, uh, uh, this time and why I don't have any tension about it is a lot of people, uh, can take charge of their spirituality at home, mm-hmm. spend more time in scripture, maybe as a mom or dad, uh, you know, taking a little more charge of their family than they've normally done because we have a tendency, we all, we all did and we all do have a tendency to offhand, you know, the nurturing of our kids spiritually more like a little bit to the church because, you know, that we have the Sunday school program, we have the youth program or what and whatever programs. And then sometimes we kind of step back and maybe, maybe uh, not, not Everything disengaged. Everything has the air of specialization to it now. Yeah. 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 Jason, and, Andy, what you said last night uh, on your, your little talk about the couch and you're actually going to the church and it's an empty building. Oh yeah, the first like the first week we were gonna do the live cast, uh, like when all this just began, I went to the church. I had everything all set up. I was gonna do the do the sermon there, and uh, I went Saturday night to kind of get everything all set up and get everything all ready for the live stream. And like I got to thinking, like I'm gonna be literally the only buddy, like the only person who's yeah not with a church like the minister <laughs> is going to be the only person who's not with a church so uh, I, like, I don't want to i don't want to do that <laughs> so i packed up all the gear took it home and man i love sitting and i still do like sitting on the couch with my family while they're on the couch i'm on the chair right beside the couch and and just doing church if i can't if i can't be with my family and the church at large like this is awesome I love sitting on the couch with my wife, being the church with the two of us, breaking bread together, drinking the cup together, praying together, her hearing my message, her looking me in the eye while I preach my message. Like, it was awesome. And my kids just being as annoying as I'll get out, but <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah, that's yeah, powerful exactly. right there. Yeah, but yeah. there, but what's, what's awesome is they're witnessing church. Yeah, it, like yeah. They're not going down to the junior church program, which yeah. like the junior pr- church program what's is good. In our like, it, it has its usefulness in the corporate setting. But man, what an awesome, what an awesome opportunity for your children to see your faith on display. <clears throat> Like they're yeah. sitting on the couch, they're listening to me talk. Mm-hmm. Like my daughter, who's only, you know, eight years old, is, you know, keeping eye contact, is listening, is it's it's just a it's just a neat dynamic. If, you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that I miss about the corporate church and I look forward to getting back to. Uh, but this has been a real blessing. But it's also exposed a real Potential for weakness. I don't know if this is an actual weakness because it's something I, I certainly strive to do as a minister is equipping people to just to be spiritual leaders in their own household. Um, in a corporate think, setting, it's just hard to do when you're when you're only with somebody, you know, once a week, 
and maybe twice if they decide to come to Bible study. It's hard to equip them in any kind of way, especially when it's a presentation style. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just hard to sit down with somebody and show them how to dig into the scripture, show them how this has been a neat opportunity for for me to kind of see the glaring weakness maybe <laughs> of my own ministry. I think there are some that would like to step up, not just now, but even on a regular basis, but you're, you're right. We've done something to make people feel not, not just, I don't think it's always people are just like passing off. I think sometimes that we just feel inadequate, mm. like feel like we don't know enough, like that we couldn't, <laughs> need to get we couldn't do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I can remember even, you know, the first time, one of the first times I came home to visit, uh, from Bible college when I was attending Maritime Christian college, um, they didn't have like a, uh, a, a college age Sunday school or whatever. And so they said like, well, you could either go into the adult class or go into the high school class. And well, I was only just a few months out of college and my, you know, friends that were, I'd left home in, in town were in the high school class. So my brother and I went to that one and I can remember, man, just even after being gone after just a couple months of Bible college, that poor Sunday school teacher, she was just, <laughs> she was so nervous and everything she said, she would like kind of look over at Ben and I and be like, right. And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so Sounds good. Like, I don't know anymore. Like, I just, I've been gone. I'm, you know, I need to be there for at least one more month before I think I know everything. And then another two years before I realize I don't. So, you know, like. Well, I think we really need to encourage people once again. And and this is something Andy's been doing at at his place. He could tell it after I get done doing my little talk is Discovery Bible Study, where you just open the Bible and just say, let's read a passage. Okay. What did you learn about God? Mm -hmm. What did you learn about people? And what are you going to do about it? I mean, it's that simple. You don't have to be highly trained. You need to be able to read, so I guess there is that. Andy, explain what you're doing. Well, I mean, it's, your- <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what I what I enjoy about it is 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 it's zero preparation on my part, and uh, not because I'm I'm lazy, <laughs> but uh, what what it is 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 I've I've stopped. I, I've stopped putting myself on the platform as being the teacher. I mean, I've, you know, in ministry mm-hmm. that has a tendency, we do a lot more talking, um, and, uh, you know, and, but anyway, so what, so what we're doing here is, is we basically, uh, I have, I have like 16 or 18 study Bibles, every kind, theological, historical, cultural, you know, you, you name it. Uh, they're all written by scholars. You know, the notes are written by scholars and some, some Bibles don't have very many notes on certain passages, but, but when you pull it all together, you know, in the Greek word study Bibles and whatever, um, all we do is we sit at the table and, uh, we're working through the gospel of John and, and, uh, we just go whatever verses we do, we usually go about two hours, sometimes two and a half hours uh, a week. And, uh, we read the text in about four or five different translations. And then, uh, each of us goes through, basically, uh, we read, uh, every cross, cross reference, which in every Bible is, is different. Um, you know, they, they take you to different, uh, different scriptures and the theme, but we look up every cross reference in, in, in every Bible, uh, every old Testament reference, like, you know, that comes up through John or, or, you know, something that's related historically. And of course we go through the study notes of basically everything. And, uh, and what happens is, is, is there's times where we're not talking at the table because each 
person is digging in their thing. But when they find something interesting, they go, well, hey, you know what this, this guy says over here about that? And he refers us back to Isaiah on this passage too. And yeah. they just sit uh, sit there and they tell, tell us what they're learning. But they're doing their own study. We're all doing our own studying at the table. And I can just tell you every week that, that I've learned things things that I never knew before. I mean, my children, you know, like Ben and T or Tim are at it here. And I mean, they're grown adults. I mean, they're like near 30 years old. And, uh, you know, the, the, every week they're teaching me things that I never knew before, but, but it's, they're participating in, I'm participating in. And, uh, but one of the things we did, we did do is we always made it a point that when somebody said, Hey, I found something interesting here, listen to this, or here's what he said. We always stop our reading and we make eye contact with them because I, I know even for myself, I found that if I just kind of listened to them and kept kind of flipping through on my, my train of thought I was doing, I was missing half of what they were saying. So we just stop and listen to what they have they say. And it's like, that's really cool. Can I, can I, you know, give me that book. Can I see that for, for a minute myself? I want to reread that myself or whatever. And, uh, it's been good because, uh, you know, everybody's engaged. Everybody's a part of the learning process. And, and I know I've told this to Tom before. I mean, one of the things, uh, you know, from ministry, you know, and again, I had great churches, great people. I ha I do not have a hard luck story in church, and that's 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 my honest truth. I don't I. I have had great people. I've never had bad meetings where there was, you know, people at each other's throat, or I've never had a meeting like that at church. So my, my experiences of church are positive. Um, but one of the things I, I really got tired of was what I call it, the do it for me, do it to me church model, where, where there's always a, a professional that, that has to t teach it, uh, prepare it, whatever else. And I just got to the point in ministry where I realized, and, and this was a statement that actually my sister-in-law made to me and my sister-in-law, uh, was raised in church, but is very much, uh, on the outside of church. And, uh, so, and she, and she would not take that as a criticism that, that I would say that even here on the podcast, because, you know, we, we talk about this stuff openly, but one day, uh, she was looking at me and, uh, and commenting on her brother, Bill Hickox, who, who you guys know, Bill, who has a double master's degree in church growth and and, and, and emissions. And, uh, and she said, uh, she, she just kind of observed what we were doing in ministries and what we were trying to accomplish in our younger years. And, and she said, you know what your problem is, Andy? And I said, no, of course, you know, that's a loaded question. I'm already, yeah, yeah. yeah I just unload that. I've been waiting for somebody to tell me something like that all day long. <laughs> but anyway, she said, you know what your problem is, Andy? And I said, uh, I, I said, no, what is it? And she says, you haven't learned something yet. And I said, well, what, what, what is it that I haven't learned? And she says, you haven't learned yet that you can't work hard enough, hard enough to compensate for somebody else's lack of interest or inertia. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, uh, you know, and, and, and in my ministry, you know, uh, I used, you know, we can make anybody feel guilty on Sunday. Anybody can preach in a way to put, make people crawl out like a worm. <laughs> but anyways, I was preaching something some Sunday when I was, this is when I was down in Latite and, and, uh, you know, I, I was preaching something, this, this, this person went out and said, oh, you know, I've been really convicted after that. You know, Andy, I really, I, I really feel I need to get into the word more and learn the word. Will you come over to our house and do a Bible study? It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. And, uh, and this is how the, these Bible studies unfolded every time and in, in all of my ministry. And that's probably because I'm, I'm the slob, you know, slob minister. I accept that. But, uh, but they always say, you know, come and do a Bible study. So I spend, you know, Monday, probably Monday, part of Monday, uh, part of Tuesday morning preparing for their Bible study for them. Besides the fact that we already have one every Wednesday, they just could attend anyway, but never did. So I prepare yet a second Bible study. 
go over to their house and teach them. And, and they're sitting there. Oh yeah, that's so interesting. I never thought of that. That's so cool. You know, that's a, oh, what a, it's a good point. But here's the point. I was the one reading the text. I was the one studying the text. I'm the one dealing with the text. And then, so, so finally, after my sister, sister-in-law said that to me one Sunday, somebody after a church service somewhere said the same thing, Andy, you know, could you come over? And I said, I'll tell you what, I said, I would be absolutely delighted to come and do a Bible study. I'm so thrilled that, that you want to get into the word. I said that what a, what a great, a great uh, idea and God will honor that desire every time. And I'm just thrilled that you, you, you expressed it. And I said, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you go home and read the first five chapters of the gospel of John and, uh, come back uh, and tell me when you got it done. I said to be either next Sunday or whatever, or give me a call when you get it done and then we'll schedule a Bible study. And, and, uh, and, and does that sound good? Okay, that'll be great. And I said, and then what we'll do is after you read the first five chapters, uh, we'll sit down and discuss about what you learned about Christ in that passage. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, any questions you have. And so the week went by the next Sunday came and I said, said to the person, I said, uh, did you ever get those, uh, books read? No, no, I, I'm, I'm going to get around to it. I never read the first five chapters of John, but I'll, I'll get to it uh, and, and I'll give you a buzz this week. So the next Sunday, no, there was no call week, next Sunday, same thing. And, uh, and then I asked them that Sunday and I said, well, uh, you know, did you, did you ever get a chance to read them? No, no, I'm going to, but... And that, and, and they never did get back to me. And, uh, and that, that has been the general thing that I did in my ministry ever since was I would, you know, they say they want to study the word of God. Well, let's just read a few chapters first. And when you do that in preparation, I'll come and, uh, and, and, and so into that. And, uh, and very few people have ever gotten back to me when I started doing that. Now, like I say, I, I'm probably the slob minister and that's why they didn't do that. I, I guess, I don't know, but, uh, but that was, you know, the thing where, you know what I, it, it does, it does them no good if I study for an hour or, you know, or four or five hours for a Bible study and, and show up and they haven't even opened the word of God before I got there or after. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so it has to be, it has to be with people who are willing to engage. And, uh, yeah. and when I, when I first came to, to Fredericton, uh, we had a youth group going and it was, uh, it, I came at a time where the, like people had a lot of import, like put a lot of importance on youth groups and stuff like that. And so yeah. we probably did it for like a year, year and a half. And the kids just, they just weren't responding <clears throat> to anything. And so finally I just sat them all down and, and I was like, like, do you guys believe anything <laughs> of what <laughs> I have been like teaching you guys over the, the last little while? And I was like, and I want you to give me honest answers. I was like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I was like, but do you, do you believe anything that, that I'm talking about? They're like, no, not really. And, uh, and they, and they were unanimous. They were like, no, I was like, do you ever, like, will you, do you ever see yourself responding to kind of the faith that I'm putting out in front of you? And they're like, no. And I was like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. I was like, youth group's done. <laughs> I was like, we're, we're not going to do this anymore. You guys can go play Yu-Gi-Oh somewhere else. I was like, but this is what I'll do. Same time, same place. We're going to do a Bible study and you can come. There's going to be no games. It's just going to be a Bible study. I was like, and this is what we're going to do. You can come, but you have to commit to two things. You're going to read the text before you come, and you're going to come to church on Sunday. And uh, and they were all like, yep, 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 we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, and they were all excited. <laughs> they left next week, empty building. <laughs> yep. I was like, well, that, that told me what I needed to know. I yeah. was like, I'm going to scrap this program for a few years and 
put my energy and my efforts somewhere else. But it taught me a valuable lesson. Like it changed the way I do Bible study. And it changed the way that I interact with groups. Like when I like I'll often I'll do a presentation style, but I'll do it in such a way that that I want to suck people into a conversation. And I want people to really engage the material. Even on Sunday, like if you look on our website, uh, I'll put the verses, I'll put the readings, and and it's an, I encourage people. I'm like, you will get way more out of Sunday if you read these verses and you consider these questions before coming. And <clears throat> it's even the way I approach evangelism now has completely changed. Like uh, now, it's a lot less about teaching them something, and it's a lot more about just kind of confronting them with something and having a conversation with them and uh, kind of presenting my story. And I have these little, I have probably about 20 of them in my office, just Gospels of John. And if they hear my testimony and they hear, I'll usually, I'll just walk them through the, I'll incorporate uh, the parable of uh, oh, the wedding feast. Yeah. And and I'll and I'll say, like, do you know what character I am? Do you know what character you are? I'm like, I'm giving you an invitation right now. And I'll say, I'll study the, the gospel of John with you and uh, give them a little book and we'll and we'll walk through it. But I try to stay away from consumeristic, you know, leanings when it comes to anything corporate. It's it's hard to avoid corporately, but it's that that youth group. I resonated with your story, Andy. That youth group really taught me something. <laughs> you, you, yeah. can't, you can't convince people of no. something you can't that they're do it. rebelling yeah. against. We, we have a number of systems that kind of <clears throat> uh, are, are that, I, th- I think, keep people in that, ch- you know, I, say not, I was going to say childlike faith. That would be amazing. Uh, I mean, I meant more of like a childish faith, like, a, like, an faith. Im- like an immature believer, like the one like you say, like, hey, like I, I need to get more in the Word. And you're like, okay, well, read, do this really easy reading assignment. Yeah. Well, I've only had five months and I just I just haven't done it. And, you know, we, we also kind of set up like what, what it immediately we think of is sometimes people will ask me, you know, when somebody has, you know, somebody hasn't been to church in, I don't know, let's say four weeks and somebody will come to me because they've noticed that this person's gone. They're like, hey, well, where's so-and-so? And a lot of times I go, I don't know. And, yeah. you know, but what, 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 what I'd like to say is you go should find ask them. it. Yeah. Like, why don't you, why don't you, if you've, if you've yeah. noticed, why are you bringing it to my attention? Why don't you go? And so, and so that, that's what happened. So now they yeah. brought it to my attention. So I'm like, well, I, and I look when you're trying, I, I already said I had twins. Right. So like I, my mind is all over the place. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so yeah, sometimes I've noticed, sometimes I haven't. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, they have no, so, Let's. I'll reach out to that person, and nine mm. times out of ten, I get one of two responses: either I reach out in some manner, whether I call and leave a message, or I reach out online and I don't hear anything, or if I reach out and I'm just like, "Hey, just wanted to catch up with you there. Like, you just yeah, I noticed you hadn't been here in a month, or, or I noticed because somebody pointed it out to me, and uh, <laughs> like, uh, just wanted to make sure everything's okay." And you know, eleven times out of ten, they're like, "Yeah, everything's great," and I go, "Okay." And a lot of times I'll even know that it's not great, but I don't know what's going on. So if you tell me it's great, all I can do is operate as if it's great. And so that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, and I've, I've often, I know that there's sometimes I think, uh, or my perception is that sometimes people get frustrated at my lack of enthusiasm with chasing people. Oh but, my. <laughs> but, but for me, like, 
part of it is that like some of the, the person, especially who, you know, somebody has hurt their feelings and I'm not, listen, I understand the church has done things to hurt people. I'm not saying yeah. that is not yeah. the case that a hundred percent happens, but for the person that feels slighted either by something that the preacher said or something somebody else did and just says, I'm taking my toys and I'm going. And when you say what's wrong and they say nothing is the equivalent to me of the kid that stomps down the hall and slams the door and, you know, says, you know, puts the, the misspelled sign out on their on their door that says the list of people who are not allowed in my room. Um, and we've done, I think, some things to. Oh, yeah. not just accommodate that, but sometimes encourage it because then what we do is we chase them and then we, you know, say, well, like if you're upset, <clears throat> if you're that upset about it, then we can, you know, make these accommodations. And I'm, and look, every, every situation is different. And I'm, I'm just using that as an example to say, I think there are, you know, and I think there are systems that we have in place that keep people at a level of immaturity that perhaps a time like right now gives us that step away to be able to say, okay, like there's some things that we do here that either don't work or are actually the cause of some unwanted, you know, responses or unwanted behavior or, or just an inability to grow. So yeah. when, when we come back, you know, what, what are we going to do about that? You know, and I'm not saying like, okay, look, you should be taking all this COVID time and you should come back with the perfect church model when you come back. Because I, I don't even think that exists. No, like, really you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Andy said something earlier that jogged my thought, and I'm just mm-hmm. coming full circle, and hopefully your listeners will remember the portion of the conversation that I'm talking about. But, you know, there are the same way that I believe that God has gifted every believer with different gifts. I believe the same thing is true of churches. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I we had somebody leave our church just a little while ago, and they, they ended up going to you know, one of the larger churches, uh, in the city. And for them, like, it's like going to a church that like, you know, it was, you know, they have like a, you know, they have a, a just a high level band and big level production on the stage and just, and all stuff. And, and I said, like, I look, look, like we'll, we'll never be able to do that in Bird's mm-hmm. corner. And it's not even a goal yeah. for us to be able to do that yeah. in Bird's corner. You know what I mean? And there are certain people that they will reach that we never could. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is great. Good on you. There are people that will jive with that, that will find that. And, and those, and there'll be some people that like that jive with that. If they stepped into Bert's corner, you know, uh, th- they might stay long enough for the service. So they don't want to appear rude, <laughs> but they're just not going to stay. And that's yeah. totally okay too. You know, and even in Bert's corner. And I've, I've tried to, sometimes people get discouraged when people leave, especially for us as, you know, younger people and young adults and so on. And when I've tried to help people understand is that Burt's Corner, even as a community and, and along with the church, is not the type of place that people move to. It's mm-hmm. the type of place that people move away from. That's just the nature of the kind of community that we are. In fact, there's a lot of people in Burt's Corner that the best thing that could ever happen to them, and, and from a guy who's still in Burt's Corner, some of the, th- the, the best thing that they could ever do would be to leave Burt's Corner. And there's going to be, look, there's also things, like I said earlier, about like the, you know, gaffing on stage or like some of the talking back and forth. Or there's certain things that we can do that other churches can't. There was a woman who left our church a number of years ago and ended up going to one of the larger churches in in the city. And there was a crisis that kind of hit our city that was impacting uh, every, you know, everybody in different ways. And, and 
I can remember during that week, her number showed up on my phone and I was really surprised to see it. We hadn't connected in a long time. She hadn't really left our church on, on uh, a real amicable terms. She felt very hurt. Um, and so when she called, I was, I was surprised. And what she was calling to do was to try and sort out in a spiritual way, the way that she was feeling about this event that was taking place. And so I spent about 45 minutes or so on the phone with her and what I realized partway through the call was, is that she was now going to a church with, I'll say, between, you know, 300 and 700 people. And so she couldn't just call the pastor. Mm. Yeah. You didn't even have his, his, his home number. <laughs> yeah. And if you called the number you did yeah. have for him, you weren't going to talk to him. You were going to talk to his secretary. And even if you emailed him, you weren't going to email him. You were going to email his secretary. And she wanted to talk to the pastor and, and got stonewalled. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything bad about him, I'm not saying anything great about me. I'm just saying that different churches are going to be able to do yeah. different things just because God has raised them up in that way. There's a church in Sussex I know that's close to Kingswood University, formerly Bethany Bible College, and they don't hire uh, a full-time pastor to keep. They always give a guy his first ministry out of Bible College, and they see their ministry as to help these young guys start yeah. out. That's and like and when they're and when they're in between, they just get students, and their elders are the ones who really take care of like the pastoral ministry and the and the longevity type of ministry, and they they kind of see themselves as that's part of their purpose as a church in that location and demographic is they see it as like we're helping train these ministers, we're helping move them up and give them the experience and so on while taking a really active you know leadership role, and there's other churches that could never do that, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, some challenges I know, uh, Dan Clymer, you know, Prof. Bond, you guys have met him. Yep. You know, I still remember the day he asked, so I thought you liked playing church, Tom. I'm yeah. like, that hurt. Yeah, that, Dan, Dan uh, lays it down, man. Like, I didn't consider myself as someone who likes to play church, but, I mean, when, when you're in a smaller congregation, everything centers around you and all that. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you know, and... And I'm thinking, you know, looking at the scriptures and, and also others who, you know, do a wonderful job of equipping people. I mean, someone who just likes playing church. Well, of course they have to, as Andy said, do the Bible studies, do do the worship service. You know, they do everything. And sometimes you have that congregation that they want you because they're paying you. And, and it's just like, that's a real challenge as well. And I think one of the best challenges that we face in this time is to here you go people here's your opportunity you got a couch you got a couple bibles you know start reading the word of god listen to some stuff you can listen to this stuff but like read the bible and just ask you know some simple questions what'd you learn about god what'd you learn about people from this passage what are you going to do about it and i think one of the child because i think again i i always wondered about the underground church in china you know, persecution. And, and, you know, that question kind of came up in the past, you know, is, is Canada going to be persecuted? You know, we did have that summer that, you know, because of the political things where, you know, funding was lost. And in some ways, I think the sooner you learn to be underground, <laughs> the better, because if you don't have to worry about the structure, you don't have to worry about the paid individual, you're not bothered when something falls apart. You just continue to do what you're doing. And I think that is one change that, that could happen 
if churches kind of take advantage of it, where you can be mobile and not centralized in one location, because you've you've realized, wait a second, you know, I, as Reggie Rice from uh, Church Chrysler of of the Meadow Valley in, in Arizona, you know, you're the pastor of your living room. You know, that's the one location where you could actually minister to people if they're over, if you have some friends over and they're hurting, like you're, you're the hands and feet of Jesus. That priest, oh, sorry, Tom. Kids, you know, the best thing you can do for your kids to learn the scriptures is talk about the scriptures with your wife and them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just have that conversation. Yeah, the priesthood of all believers is exactly what you're talking about. That that's a doctrine that was always a very, very uh, much a part of our our uh, our movement and a few others, but uh, doesn't doesn't seem to be on the board too much in our conversation anymore. But uh, on yeah. the, on the positive side, though, uh, uh, like one of the things, uh, well, I know uh, like Gordon Weatherby. You guys know Gordon over here. Uh, he was saying he has three times the number of people listening to his sermons online than he preaches to on, on a given Sunday in the two congregations yeah. here, and uh, and I think that that that's one of the uh, one of the like the more positive things we. I mean, let's face it: in Canada, we're in a post-Christian culture. Um, you know, this idea of uh, of a lot of people just showing up on Sunday, you know, to check your church out. It just you know that that flow is pretty slow and it is pretty small in Canada. And, uh, and, and I think that even the ones that get, do that well, they have to have a very professional and, and, uh, like the bands and whatever else in order to make it work even somewhat for them. Um, but the great thing about this is I think, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people around our communities who, who aren't invested in going to church there, you know, uh, they, they might even think, you know, maybe, you know, in my upbringing, I'm from a different background of Christianity. You know, I'm not that same church, you know, everybody thinks they're a part of a denomination, whether we've gone or not in our, in our lifetime, but yet, you know, our family history is, you know, I'm kind of associated with this, this church movement or whatever. And, uh, but I, I think it's, it's great because, uh, you know, like, like how many people do we see getting online line, like you guys, like Gordon Weatherby, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, Kelly, American Kelly Ellie over there in, in Nova Scotia, you know, these are people who just aren't really that comfortable with this modern technology, but everybody's scurrying to get online. And now for the first time, people are starting uh, around this community. Maybe there's people like, like, like right here in Greenmount, you know, for example, that all have always wondered about that church down there on the corner of that road. You know, uh, you know, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm Wesleyan or I'm Catholic or I'm United never went in my lifetime, but that's what I am because that's what my family was. But for the first time in their life, you know, now they can have a look inside that building Without um, looking inside the y- building. Yeah, and not have right. to be there, but they can see what is said, uh, how they do a communion, you know, how they're preaching a sermon. And and I I, I actually think that, that everybody getting online here is going to communicate to a lot of people who are just checking checking around the community at the churches in their own community and say, you know what? That's that's not as crazy as I imagined it to be in my head, or or how the media makes Christians look, right? In Canada, right? You know, right. this is not these are not mindless bimbo people. You know, these you know this 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 woman or this guy they, they sound like they have a heart. They sound like they care, and you know they're 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 teaching things about history through this Bible passage. You know, like that's interesting stuff. I I never I never knew that stuff before. So I I, I think it's going to be great. Use Bill Hull's uh, book, Discipleship Gospel, is just explained 
what is the gospel. Mm. And so the seed, so people can hear, because people want to, they, they have a spiritual pulse. They want it, but the problem is they they can't get it in today's world. I mean, yes, you have the churches that have that consumer come and look and all that, but I, I really think, you know, what is the gospel? You know, is it is it a social gospel? Is it is it a gospel of the right? Is it a gospel of the left? You know, is it, you know, the gospel of pain? I mean, there's all these different gospels, but what's the good news? I mean, what really, and that's what Bill Hull's book, Discipleship Gospel, looks at, is, you know, when Jesus came to preach the gospel, how many people really know what it is? And I think as they're listening vicariously, this is a great opportunity just to explain, as Dan said, the misconceptions that are out there and say, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, to give them that sense where they hear, wait, you mean God loves me so much that he wants me to respond to that love, but also that, you know, there's a part of my life that needs to change. The importance of that can't be overstated, to have the the true gospel, not a, not a co-opted gospel mm-hmm. of some other ideology. You know, it's funny, it makes me think of, you know, when, when Jesus uh, was talking to his disciples and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. gives them, they give them all the answers. Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah or one of the prophets and so on. And he says, but who do you say I am? And he proclaims Jesus correctly, right? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah. And and what does Jesus say to him? Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like that's, you got to look at that, especially Easter going now. Like that's like, why would he say that? Because right now they only have half a gospel. Yeah, exactly. They don't have Christ crucified. Yeah. They don't have the whole bit yet. And so, and that's part of what I think that we do. We take this half gospel, like what you're saying, and so we take a little bit of Jesus, because that gives credence yeah. to my argument that I want to make anyway, and then I put them on this right ideologue, right? Mm. That That's anybody who's right wing, and that's why this churchy, or I put on a left ideologue, that Jesus is for social justice, and if you're not, or I or I put him in, you know, my my kind of my churchy ideologue, that mm-hmm. Jesus just really wants you to, to you know, tithe and be there on Sundays. And, and, and a bunch of these piece. half gospels, and, and then we wonder why it is that, like, oh, people aren't, you know, sticking with it, or like... You know, what you just said, the idea of just getting the biblical gospel Mm -hmm. is so significant and so important. Now's the time to do it. And I mean, instead of talking about COVID-19, I'd like, let's talk about the gospel. Let's tell the stories about Jesus' life, what he did, what, you know, what it means to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, Mark 1, 14, 15, repent and enter the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Like that's the gospel, you know, come follow me. That's the gospel. You know, he, he was killed for our sins. He was buried. He was resurrected. Why? Cause God vindicated him and let the people know mm-hmm. that his son was the one. And I mean, that's the gospel. That's what it's about. And, you know, we're talking about this or we're talking about that. And, you know, I think right now while people are listening, cause eventually they're going to tune out. While they're listening now is a perfect time to start talking about gospel yeah. and correct those misconceptions. Yeah, what are we for instead of instead of the message of what we're against? That I mean, of course, I mean media are predominant predominantly secular people. I mean, we know that it's not a highly Christian population in there. So so what we get portrayed is is everything we're against, who we're against, certain groups, you know, we're against. And it's like 
like, you know, here we are, every, everybody, all four of us on this po- podcast, you know, we, we've all been, our ministers have been in ministry or have been pulpit ministers. And it's like, you know what, we, I, all the years that I went to church, I never heard too much rejection of, of certain groups or, or hate or, or, uh, you know, towards oh. people. I, I never experienced that. I mean, I never heard that when I was growing up. I mean, you know, the, the, but I mean, the scripture does say things and, and it challenges us and it does challenge things. But, uh, but the idea of going out and that Christians are nasty people, I mean, that as far as I'm concerned, I mean, there's nasty people everywhere, but I mean, that, that's not the root of the gospel, you know, uh, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. I, there isn't anybody else on planet earth teaching that right now. And, uh, but that's yeah. what we've been taught as Christians. And, uh, you know, so I, I think it's, 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 it, you know, it's not to steer away. I mean, there, there is a message of sin that, that, that we know, um, we have to deal with that, but, uh, but really the proclamation of the gospel is more talking about who we're for than who we're against, right? And that's and that's the message. And it's only when people become for Jesus Christ um, is the idea of well, what does Jesus Christ uh, uh, call me to be? You know, what is what kind of person does he call me? Then that question is relevant. But until then, that's not even a relevant question. And I remember Milton Clark one day he was talking to me about something, and and I don't remember what I was huffing and puffing about. I read an article about something and. He just said, he said, well, he said, you just don't understand something. He said, he said, they're pagans. Why, why, why would they, why would you expect them to want to do what Christ wants to do? He said that, that, he said that it, it wouldn't be normal for them to want to do what Christ wanted to do as a non-Christ. Why are you even sitting here expecting that they would even care to do that? So you just need to get over it. And I was just sitting here was like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. But I mean, you know, here's Tom talking about the gospel is, uh, who are we for? We're for Christ. Christ. And you know, like I can, I can think of uh, uh, two conversations that I had with two people. One was on uh, when when marijuana got legal, legalized, and uh, the person was basically evangelizing for another worldview. I say another religion, but I, that's what I consider worldviews are just uh, there are other religions with doctrines and philosophies and and ethics and values that they're different than Christianity. But but I mean, it's like, oh, you know, well, have you ever tried marijuana? It's like, no, no, I never have. And well, you know, like I I really think everybody should try because, you know, a little hashish or whatever, you don't have to do it forever, but everybody should just try it once, you know, because, you know, it makes you feel mellow or whatever. And I can remember the first time I took it and then his wife told the story when the first time she took it. And, and I, and I'm just sitting there as like, okay, well, they're here, they are, they're proselytizing me to become to the marijuana club or whatever. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're being, literally they're being evangelists for their worldview. Right. And it's, and that's okay. And and I, anyway, I just looked at them and I said, well, you know, maybe it does make you, Amelia, and I know, you know, I'm not, I know there's people who take it for me, uh, medical reasons and I, I don't question that, you know, plant-based stuff has always been a part of medicine, but I just said, you know, um, I just can't, I just can't, uh, do that. And they said, well, why? I said, because I'm a Jesus follower. And they just kind of looked at me and they said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I said, uh, in scripture, anytime you see the phrase witchcraft and talks about witchcraft and so on, I said, the, I said, the Greek word that's used there, I said, is, is the same word we get the root word for, for, for pharmacy in English. 
And, uh, you know, like a drugstore. And I said, and, and literally it means the use of drugs. That's what the word rich, witchcraft translates as, is literally the use of drugs, because they use drugs for altered states of consciousness. And I said, and as a Jesus follower, I, we were told that, uh, that we need to be, uh, you know, staying away from things that alter our consciousness, that self-control is, is, is what we, you know, what we're trying to do. And uh, they just kind of, you know, <laughs> looked at me, you know, and, uh, but you know, like, like there, there's a thing, a Jesus follower just says, like, ah, oh, the use of drugs. No, that was called witchcraft in scripture. It's like, well, I didn't know that. And I said, well, I'm a Jesus follower. So. <laughs> yeah. Any last thoughts before we go? Because I guess we've been chatting a little bit. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, I just, is, this is great. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I just hope that, I guess the last thought is I just hope that, you know, even even as inconvenient as this this is like the social isolation and so on or at least like the extrovert me finds it inconvenient um i hope that people use the gift parts of it mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like yeah. i'm like i'm spending way more time with my kids and it has been awesome like they are so fun and so funny and it's funny like i would think you'd think we'd all be clear sick of each other. And I'm sure there are households where maybe that, that is the case. Even when I do try to sneak off to get some work done, my, you know, my kids are like, where are you going? Why are you, why are you leaving? I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Have you guys not had enough of me yet? And they, and they have it. My boys, like for all the time we are trapped in this house. And if I know if I go right now, well, there should be in bed now, but even if it wasn't, they would definitely be in the same room. They'd probably be in the same chair. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. just yeah. so enjoy. And I hope that we take this time as in, in reflection to. Well, now you know, is the time. If you have the kids and they want to be near you, if you invest time in that, when they're actually in high school, when they don't want to be with right. you, you'll discover yeah. they actually want to be with you yeah, because exactly. early. And this is a great time for parents really to reconnect and kind of rethink, hey, let's get rid of some of the stuff because really most people before this, as far as I know, were always just on their phones looking. Mm-hmm. Well, at least now we're talking to one another a lot more. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I think it's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. I just hope people take advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good what to see you guys. You, no, I'm, 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 I'm good. I was just enjoying the conversation tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, for myself, I. I think the church has a great opportunity. I think uh, up ahead, I mean, if if the economy tanks and we do go in like a serious depression, again, the church has a great opportunity to help people, especially people that have lost jobs, mm-hmm. who are in need. Uh, you know, I'm thinking food, food banks, uh, ways to try to, you know, I, I like sit down with the elders and start thinking, what what could happen and how could we start doing stuff in a way that we can be real community to people and i you know because there's going to come a point where i think in troubled times people do start looking for spiritual guidance and you know it's to me we have an opportunity and we could just kind of blow it off and go back to normal which i don't think we can or, you know, we could really get prepared and start thinking, how can we help bring Christ to a community like Fredericton or Charlottetown or whatever community you might be in and really show the love of Jesus to them? And I think, you know, to do that, a little forethought, I mean, you never know. The church could really have a revival. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know right now, before the, the event, 
it was really just church as usual. You show up, you do your time, <laughs> get in your car, you go home, you know, and it and it seemed kind of stale. And, and so for me, at least, this is a good little wake up, you know, opportunity, I guess, to, you know, to make a difference. Well, anyway, I want to thank uh, Jason and Dan for being here. It was a pleasure. Yeah, good to see yeah. your faces, guys. I don't see you very often. Good to good to see you guys. Good to see you as well. Yeah, this has been neat for me. Man. The guy who <laughs> baptized me and the guy who taught me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what about what, and what about Tom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah that that's well, some things in school and stuff so what yeah. i miss jason just to give you a little, little heads up uh is your original thinking especially with the little play like paper pieces that you created once and stuff oh, you have, yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that and the video about the the white the red uh onesie and you know uh, was Samson? Yeah, Samson. We talked about that last. Seems to be my claim too. to fame. <laughs> yeah, people seem yeah. to remember that. That posted on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> I've been fortunate. Those videos have disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, shall I? Shall Shall I roll the outro, Tom? Are you wrapped up? <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll, we'll tune in here for a little closeout after. After. Thanks everybody for joining the podcast today. Rabbi Shammai was approached by a guy who's asking the exact same question, and nobody tells the story that the Talmud says that next Shammai beats the man with a stick. <laughs> What circumcision? <laughs> yeah, first time I asked answer. mom what a virgin was, and all the adults in the kitchen yeah. went silent. But what kind but of surgeon? Uh, a rocket surgeon. Very excited about that. <laughs> we want you to be our rabbi. Well, okay. Rabbi Herding. Jesus told me I'm not to insist that they call me rabbi. Oh, okay. Are you still here? You must be a real sucker for punishment. Thank you for listening to the Invisible Humanitarian podcast today. Check out our website at theinvisiblehumanitarian.ca or check us out on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us and leave us a good rating on your favorite podcast subscriber. And please, whatever you do, tell all your crazy friends about this podcast. Oh, 